I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Scoopy Radio, in your area code, on the plane, in the train, at the airport, everywhere you want to be. I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Scoopy, Instagram, Scoop underscore B, Snapchat, Scoop underscore B. And make sure you subscribe to the Scoopy Radio podcast. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn app, Stitcher app, or everywhere in between. On the line right now, I've known this guy forever. On the line right now for Scoopy Radio this week is NBA insider, Fox Sports 1 analyst, Chris Boussard. What's going on, good brother? I'm great, man. How are you? Man, trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents. I hear you. I hear you. I hope you've been having success. <laughs> I am, man. I am. I've known you since I was 12 years old, man. I remember when you were at the New York Post uh, during the next days. No, no, New York Times. That's what I meant. There's See what a huge happened. Difference, huge difference between the New York Post and New York Times. Can, can I can I get my dime back on this call? I remember when you were at the New York Times. You were covering the Nets. You were covering the Knicks and everywhere in between, man. First and foremost, I appreciate your journey. Yes, I do too. It's been a great journey. Um, one thing that I that I'm definitely um, curious about. Um, you're at Fox Sports One. You made the transition. Um, LeBron James, are you surprised that he's taking so long to come back from injury? No, I mean the only surprising element of it is that we've never seen LeBron go through this. So he's been an Iron Man for the first 15 years of his career, and mm-hmm. so nobody expects him to ever sustain, you know, an injury. I don't even want to mm-hmm. say this is a serious injury, but an injury that keeps him out. Of course, coming into this season, the most games he had ever missed due to injury was 13 back in 2014. And other than that, I mean, he's missing playing all but like eight games, five games in a year. Last year, of course, he played all 82. So from that aspect, it's surprising to some people. But when you understood what the injury was, it was a grade two strain groin. That Mm -hmm. injury takes three to six weeks to come back from. And he's in year, or I'm sorry, in week four. 
So if it takes another two weeks, he will be within the realm of, you know, time for that injury. So I don't, I'm not really surprised at at all about it. Um, You know, he's getting older. He's got a lot of wear and tear on his body. And so, you know, you want to be certain. I've, I've talked to his agent, Rich Paul. Last week, Rich told me that if it were the playoffs, he'd be playing. Mm-hmm. So that tells me he was maybe 75% last week, 80% maybe. And they just want to make sure he's 100% because why come back in the regular season in January when you're not 100%? Uh, you just sit out until it's 100 and then you come back. And he's got to make, you know, get the Lakers on a run. They're only a half game back from, from eighth spot. They're in the ninth seed in the West. And uh, they're only three and a half games out of four, four and a half out of out of third. So there's plenty of time for LeBron James to lift them up uh, to a decent spot in the Western Conference playoff race. Scoopy Radio on the line with Chris Broussard of SS1 talking at the NBA. The halfway point is just about here. Uh, if you are the grader of the test, uh, what do you give the Los Angeles Lakers as a grade at the halfway point of the NBA season? Well, I mean, if you're tempted to give them an incomplete just because they haven't been healthy. I mean, LeBron's missed 15 games. Uh, Rondo has missed 34 of the 48. Uh, Lonzo Ball now is hurt. So you could go that route, but if if I don't give them an incomplete, I probably would say C-plus in the C-plus, B-minus range. Because when they remember they were at one point they were the fourth seed in the West and very few people expected them to have that type of success even with LeBron. I did. I predicted they win fifty three games and LeBron would be MVP. Uh, they're not going to win fifty three. Uh, I can blame it on injuries, but he's not going to be the MVP either because he's unless he comes back very soon and leaves them on like a historic run. He's going to have missed too many games to be the MVP when a James Harden is doing what he's doing and Giannis Adetokounmpo is doing what he's doing. So, um, But I would say, yeah, C-plus, B-minus. You, you can lean toward a C-plus when you look at them getting beat, even without LeBron, by the Knicks and uh, who was the other terrible team they lost to uh, at home. They lost another – easy what should have been a win Cleveland mm-hmm. New York and Cleveland at home those are games you need to win with out even without LeBron James if you want to you know keep keep standing in the playoff race so I could look at those and take those away and then you look at they beat Houston without LeBron they beat Golden State on Christmas Day and held on after LeBron got injured midway through the third quarter so They've had some good, big wins and some big losses, um, but overall, when healthy, they were playing pretty good basketball. Chris, Anthony Davis, uh, it's like the Lamb Chop uh, sing-along song. It's just like the song that never ends. It goes on and on, my friend. Uh, do you get a sense that um, Anthony Davis is trying to test the waters as well as his representation, as well as the Pelicans? And do you think that the Celtics have a legitimate chance to actually nab him via trade in the offseason? Or do you think the Lakers will still try to uh, try to make a legitimate trade at, at the trade deadline? Anthony Davis is not getting traded this season. Uh, there's no reason for New Orleans to trade him. Why in the world would you? You know, he's not a free agent this summer coming up. 
you're going to try your best to make the playoffs, and they're going to be trying to make a move at the deadline that could make them better and make Anthony want to stay. The problem is, one, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. And two, uh, you know, what's going to happen is that at the end of the season, in the summer, they're going to offer him the Supermax contract. He's going to turn it down. And then they're going to realize, okay, he's not staying here long term. So we have to either lose him for nothing as a free agent or we can trade him. And so I think they're going to trade. Now, you know, they could try to hold on to him throughout the summer, early next season, and try to make their own trade that might get another star to play alongside him. But uh, I think ultimately, look, the Celtics with their draft picks and with some of their so much young talent, they have more to offer than anybody else. And so I think there's a great chance that he gets traded to the Celtics and the Celtics decide to build around Kyrie Irving or try to build around Kyrie Irving and Anthony Davis. Now, uh, don't rule out the New York Knicks because I believe that's a place Anthony would play. And the Lakers are going to get in there. They're going to try their best to get him and, you know, they, they got a shot. But I think it's going to come down to those three teams, Boston, New York, and the Lakers. Chris, who do you think the Lakers will end up getting at the trade deadline? I don't think they're going to make a significant move because the, the pieces that they would trade are the pieces they're going to try to use in the Anthony Davis trade. Hmm. Now, I think they should look, try to, you know, I, I would at least explore going after Jimmy Butler. Now, I know Butler's had his issues in Chicago and Minnesota and there's even talk that he's had some issues, and I've been told about some issues in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. But I think LeBron, LeBron James has never shied away from, you know, quote-unquote troubled personalities. J.R. Smith, Rajon Rondo had his issues elsewhere, Lance Stevenson. Um, so I think LeBron, Jimmy respects him. And I think LeBron has enough control of that team that Jimmy wouldn't be a big problem. And Jimmy Butler and LeBron James would be a problem for the rest of the league. I'm not saying they'd be the favorites, but they would be very good. So you might have to look at something like that. Now, and Philadelphia has to decide that they're going to sign Jimmy Butler long-term, giving five years, $190 million. If mm-hmm. not, then they're going to be open to trading. And so – that's where some type of trade like that could happen uh, maybe by the deadline. I'm not predicting it, but I'm just saying other than something like that, uh, I don't really see them making a major move. Scooby Radio on the line with Chris Broussard of SS1 talking the Lakers. You um, kind of dovetailed a little bit about LeBron James and his teammates. And, uh, not too long ago, uh, Kyrie Irving was kind of constrained to him and him, LeBron James's relationship um, in the world of aggregation. Do you think media is making too much of a big thing about what Kyrie said, or do you think it was spot on? What Kyrie said about what apologizing to LeBron, I guess, for not understanding his point of view and now being in Boston, understanding the role of leader. 
do you think that as do you think that in a world of aggregation, media is making too much of it and creating a story, or do you think that there is there are other factors to it that maybe we're not privy to? I don't think the media is making too much of it at all. I mean, you demanded a trade from LeBron James and his team, and you know, then two years later, you call him up and you admitted it unsolicited. You brought it up yourself to the media that you called him and apologized to him for being that um, stubborn young teammate. So I think that's a big story. You know, it'd be like if Kevin Durant said he called up Russell Westbrook and apologized for leaving the way he did or Westbrook called up Durant and apologized for, you know, being upset and posting cupcake, you know, Instagram <laughs> posts and things like that. So I think it was definitely legitimate and a big story. And I also think while I don't think Kyrie will end up playing with LeBron with the Lakers, I do think that what two weeks ago was not even a remote possibility of those two playing together is at least a possibility now, a possibility. But you look at the way Kyrie's been playing the last four games. He didn't play tonight, but he he averaged about 30 points and 11 assists in a four-game win streak. And it looks like Kyrie is embracing the role of leader. And really, he set the pecking order in Boston now, whereas I think earlier in the season – it was kind of, okay, are we the equal opportunity team offense that we were last year when Kyrie was hurt, or are we Kyrie's team offensively? I think now it's Kyrie's team, clearly. And he's dishing the ball, he's scoring the ball, and they're winning. And so I think Kyrie has actually, you know, he's played tremendous basketball since his revelation about calling LeBron. Uh, I also think that it was a message to his teammates that, you know, hey, guys, I get where you're coming from, but don't be like I was and don't listen and not listen to the veteran leader who's been there, who's won a championship. And uh, but I think overall what Kyrie has learned is that let me just lead through my play and my example off the court. Uh, hmm. and not declare I'm the leader and these are the young guys, I'm the veteran. Don't you have to declare it. Just I'm not saying he can't lead with words because he's going to have to speak, but you don't have to declare yourself the leader, declare them the young guys, the role players. You just lead, and I think that's how he's been playing lately. Kind of like Nike, just do it. Right, right. You backed that up on uh, the herd uh, with Colin Cowherd on uh, January 17th when you said Kyrie has to ask himself to the responsibility of being the team leader. If he does, he'll either stay in Boston, go to New York or Brooklyn. If he decides, I just want to ball and win titles, he could look at joining LeBron with the Lakers. Do you still stick with that? That was days ago. Do you still stick with that uh, that line of thinking? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I do, and, and like I said, I think that I'm just talking from observation. I haven't talked to Kyrie, but it looks like he's embracing the role of leader, you know? Hmm. And, and if that's the case, I think, like I said, I don't think he'll look to go to the Lakers. Uh, but if he, you know, when you're the, this is the thing in, in 
In Cleveland, Kyrie didn't have to leave. And the leader of the team has to make sure the locker room, everybody's cool, make sure egos are under control, make sure everybody's accepting their role and happy in their role, make sure the chemistry is good on the court, off the court. That's your responsibility as the leader, or that comes with being a good leader. Good leaders see those things and, you know, work to make them, you know, right. Uh, but so Kyrie didn't have to worry about any of that. Now in Boston, he does. And so, like I said, he has to figure out, do I like that? Do I want that? And I think he does. Um, by the way, the words he said and the way he's played so lately. So, uh, I do think he'll like those three destinations I mentioned, you know, it all depends. We'll see how the Celtics season ends up. I think the, the likeliest, Spot for him is remaining in Boston. We start talking Kyrie Irving and the Lakers. What do you make of Demarcus Cousins' return to the Warriors? Do you like it? What do you think? Um, what are you most impressed with in entering the, the Warriors starting lineup and, and producing? Even having six fouls in his first game, but having a slam dunk. But what do you? What do you? What do you like about him in Golden State so far? Well, what I like is that he's been willing to do the little things. He's running the floor. I've never seen him run the floor like this. I know it's only two games, but he is rim running, uh, which is big for them. He's moving the ball fairly, you know, fairly well. Um, he seems content just to fit in and play well. And, you know, his passing ability, you've seen him hit the three-point shot. He's a better three-point shooter than Draymond. And so now – what's going to happen with the Warriors is they can get a, an all-star can get an open look every time down the floor when they're playing their five all-stars. Now you might think it's always going to be Draymond. No, it's going to be whoever because instinctively teams are going to double team at, at points in the game. You, you just, it's your instinct. If Durant, is going to the hole. If Dre, if uh, Boogie has the ball on the block and he starts making a move, if Steph starts driving, the defense is going to collapse on those plays. And with their passing ability and unselfishness, they're going to move the ball to the open man. So Clay, Steph, KD, uh, Boogie, one of them, and then, of course, Draymond, is going to get an open look potentially every time down the floor. Think about that. So they the only team that can beat the Warriors is the Warriors. If egos get out of control, if guys start worrying about the wrong things instead of just winning, or if they suffer an injury or more likely two, might, more likely it would take two injuries to keep them from winning the championship. So they're, they're just they're a juggernaut. They already the were, and now you added boost. <laughs> no, that that that's that's um that's evident. It, it seems like um when the Warriors were good, they added Kevin Durant to the mix, uh, and it became great. And now they needed a little extra fire. They were great. Remember, they won seventy three without Durant. And the but they lost though. Yeah, but that was look. <laughs> with Giants, I'm taking nothing from Cleveland. Right. And that was a tremendous historic comeback, the greatest in NBA history. Sure. But they were they were if if they don't if Draymond doesn't get suspended, 
I think there's a good chance Golden State wins because that changed the momentum. Now, granted, Cleveland beat them three straight. They still had to win two with Draymond on the floor. So, again, not taking anything from Cleveland because Golden State won the year before when Kyrie and Kevin Love were hurt. For sure. So, uh, it evened out, but they were still a great team. Let me ask you a question. Let me throw your curveball. I had Kenny Jeff Smith on Scoopy Radio, uh, and he said, had Michael not retired, um, the Rockets still would have won those two championships in 94 and 95. Who said that? Kenny the Jeff Smith. Well, of course. He played on, what, one of those teams. <laughs> was it one yeah. or two? He played on one, I think. He played on both, 94 and 95. Oh, he was on both? Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Of course, he's going to say it. <laughs> when you look at Michael Jordan um, and you look at, uh, obviously, he retired and played baseball to the back. Um, when you look at, you covered the Bulls back then uh, in the 90s, in the late 90s. Um, what about Michael uh, playing in, with the Chicago Bulls then and just the culture of the NBA then differs from the culture of the NBA swing now? Well, culture, I mean, the game is different. It's, it's darn near an entirely different game. You know, the three-point shot was not a big part of teams' offenses. Scoring was much lower. The game was much slower. Defense was much tougher. You could hand check. Uh, it was a lot more physical. When Jordan or anybody else drove to the lane, you could get hammered. Uh, it was the greatest era of big men in NBA history. Akeem Olajuwon, Patrick Ewing, Shaquille O'Neal, David Robinson, Alonzo Mourning. I mean, think of Dwight Howard in his prime when he was clearly the best big man in the league. Dwight Howard was about as good as Alonzo Mourning. Hmm. Alonzo was like the fifth best center in the league at that time, and that's what Dwight would have been. So you watch highlights from back then of how packed in the paint was, how the game was played much closer to the basket. And uh, so it was, It was. I mean, I've had former players tell me, you can't even, the age of comparing players is over because hmm. the game is so different. You watch James Harden, what he's doing, and he's fantastic. But this is all about the three-point ball. There's no yeah. way he's putting up these numbers without the three-point. He's shooting like, in this stretch, he's shooting about 15, 16 three-pointers a night. He's had games. He's taken more three-point shots than high-volume shooters take total shots. You know? And um, Russell Westbrook, the triple-double average, which is, again, tremendous. He's going to go down as an icon because of it. He's averaging a triple-double for the third straight year. But that's related to the three-ball. The long jump, the jump shots, you know, make long rebounds that make it easier for perimeter guys to get rebounds. Harden had, Harden's averaging eight, eight rebounds a game during his, you know, January. So it's a different, it's just a completely different game. When you compare the top point guards in the NBA, do you include James Harden and that Steph Curry, Russell Westbrook? The top three, three guards? Well, the top oh, yeah, five yeah. guards in the NBA, do you include Harden? Oh, Point guard. On. How can you not? I mean, yeah, that 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 dude is going to be the MVP again, barring injury or some serious drop-off from him or the, or the team. 
So he has to be. I mean, he's a top five player. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, he's definitely. I mean, yeah, is he a true point guard? No, but I look at him more as a guard, and I think when you when in historic rankings, he will. I would tend to put him at in the two guard rankings, uh, where I think you can argue. I mean, he might be moving ahead of. Dwayne Wade, obviously Wade won the championship with Shaq in Miami. So, you know, a lot of people would give him the edge over Harden. I, I think Wade is the fourth best shooting guard of all time behind Jordan, Kobe, and Jerry West in that order. Uh, but I think Harden is right there challenging him. Harden is right there on Wade's tail. He's got to perform at his best in the postseason and in the most important postseason games. And, uh, Certainly, you know, you'd like to see him win a championship. Uh, if he if he does that, he would pass Wade. But um, certainly if he did it as the leader of the team and the main guy and it wasn't a super team. But, uh, yeah, he's you probably rank him in the two-guard rankings uh, when it's all said and done. For sure. Scoopy ready on the line with Chris Broussard. Chris, we talked a ton of Western Conference. I want to kind of take it east a little bit. Um, if you can kind of take a cursory look at the NBA's Eastern Conference. Obviously, Toronto has done it, what they need to do all year. Kawhi Leonard comes to Toronto, uh, and makes, uh, makes America great again in Canada, and, um, really sets his, sets the tone. In addition to that, you had Nick Nurse as head coach, uh, Danny Green is doing his thing, et cetera, et cetera. Can anybody in the Eastern Conference beat the Toronto Raptors in the playoffs? Toronto's, uh- I picked them to win it about two, three weeks into the season. I picked them to win the East. They're the slight favorite, but I I really think Toronto, Milwaukee, and Boston are all very close. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if any of those three teams came out of the East. I think the knock against Milwaukee is experience. And, uh, you know, will they be able to win the East with their lack of experience? Uh, and they, don't, they have some experience, but they're still young. Boston obviously has been there and, you know, been in the playoffs and played deep into them the last few years. Uh, and Toronto, you know, everybody talks about what they haven't done in the past in the playoffs. But, of course, remember, they didn't have Kyrie Irving and Danny Green. And so all three of those teams play great defense. They've got a superstar leading them. And uh, they're well coached. And so I think any one of those three teams could come out of the East. I don't think Philadelphia can come out of the East. Like not even make the playoffs or just hold up? Oh, no, they're going to make the playoffs. Okay. But I think they're the fourth best team behind those three I mentioned. I don't think they're ready. I don't think they're mature enough. I don't think Simmons and Embiid are mature enough yet. And they don't execute well down the stretch. And it, it really shows up when they play Boston, which executes tremendously in the clutch. Uh, and they're 2-9 and nine against Boston playoffs and regular season over the last two years. What impresses you about the Brooklyn Nets this season? <laughs> Everything. I mean, Kenny Atkinson has done a tremendous job. Obviously, D'Angelo Russell, he might end up being an all-star. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie has played great, and uh, and they, they everybody you know it's a everybody knows their role. Everybody plays very hard. 
Uh, those guys are really good. I think they're going to hold on and make the playoffs. Uh, and they are making – this is a great recruiting tool or a great recruiting season, I guess, for a free agent. Because a free agent can look at that situation and say, man, I go in there and we're ready to really compete, you know, with the top teams in the East. Uh, now, it would be interesting, I don't – you know, with a guard go there, you have D'Angelo and Dinwiddie. Um, so they're, you know, but they're having a great season. A really Chris, uh, surprising everyone. Do the Orlando Magic uh, retain Nikola Vucevic at the trade deadline? And do, or do you see him going elsewhere? Scoop B Radio. Uh, he's been, you know, he's been one of the few uh, killers, I guess during this tough stretch for them. And now he's really coming into his own, and he's still young. So even though he's played many years, uh, he's still a very a relatively young player. So I would not trade him. Um, I would try to, you know, get the right pieces around him. Um, so it'll be interesting. I, I think they will end up keeping him, but, you know, we'll see. When it's all said and done, where do you see Jimmy Butler going? That's a great question. Um, I mean, if Philly offers the five years, 190, he's staying there. Um, if he does, if they don't, I mentioned the Lakers before. I think that'd be a good fit. I think that's something he should look at. Um, but if he doesn't want to play in LeBron's shadow, I mean, if he goes to the Clippers, I don't know if KD, I know he and KD are friends. You know, would he try to team up with KD? Uh, would he go to Brooklyn? You know, uh, some teams aren't going to be interested in him uh, because of his attitude. So I, that's a great – that's the million-dollar question. And I think Philly has to decide quickly if they want to, you know, have him be a part of their future long-term. And if not, they need to move him rather than lose him for nothing. I take that million-dollar question and raise you this. KD in L.A. or KD in New York uh, with the Knicks seem more likely? Or or Golden State. I mean, he might stay. You know, try to go for four straight, play his first year uh, in the new arena in San Francisco. Jordan, Tim Duncan, Kobe, Shaq, LeBron, none of them have won four straight championships. That would be a way for Durant to separate himself from – all the great players since Bill Russell, because he's the last one to do it. I'm not saying Durant would be better than them, but that's a heck of a thing to have on your resume. So um, I'm not ruling out Golden State for one more year. Uh, and you ask people around the league, there's a lot of talk that he could go to that he, he's going to go to New York, and a lot of people think Kawhi Leonard's going to go to the Clippers. Mm-hmm. So. That's that's kind of what's what's out there right now to talk to people around the league. Last question: You you kind of made headlines when the whole Andre Jordan uh, to the Dallas Mavericks was a thing. You've made peace with everyone involved. Do you feel that validated when you turn on the TV? Do you actually see DeAndre Jordan on the Dallas Mavericks now? <laughs> no, I mean validated in what way? I, I you know. In the sense that people question your sources, question whether you were right. But years well, later, what they questioned me about was Mark Cuban. Mm-hmm. So you know, me saying that Cuban 
was trying to find out DeAndre, Nazareth DeAndre was at. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I'm right or wrong. If that was right or wrong, obviously it was years ago at this point. I don't even care. Right. But um, all I know is that people that were talking, sources that were talking before when I tweeted it, once Cuban came out against it, people in Dallas stopped talking. So I, I still, there's a part of me that does stand by what I reported, and really it was a tweet. I didn't even look at it as a big report at that time, but, you know, right. whatever. Um, but, you know, like you said, I've made peace. Mark and I, we've texted, um, and, you know, it's, it is what it is. So, uh, but, I, you know, my reporting, I, 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 I'm fine with my track record, you know, at the New York Times and ESPN, ESPN the Magazine, uh, so, you know, everybody makes, if that was a mistake, everybody makes mistakes as we've seen, uh, whether it's a sure. report not being right or somebody saying something on TV that's not right. So, you know, it happens, but you know, I, it is what it is. That's it. Chris, we saw it. Pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me and I appreciate you. All right, brother. Peace. Scoop B Radio. Oh 